welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. I'm Joe McCormick. I'm your host. I'm going to lead you through a discussion on how to know how to end when you communicate. The point of this podcast is singular. It's to help you become a better communicator, more intentional, more deliberate, clear, concise, easy to follow, easy to understand, easy to relate to. It's difficult. We live in a world where communication is sort of easy and accessible and for everybody. And you can talk to anybody at any time, anywhere. You've got reach, you've got a voice, you've got technology. Yet that world gets filled with noise and people just abuse this right to communicate. They communicate poorly. And it's a problem. I, ideas are confusing. There's too much information. There's too much collaboration. And we live in this world where like, Everybody's begging it for to be, you know, less is more, but, but the volume and the, and the quantity and the is going up and the quality is going down and you're thrust into this world. You got to communicate this world and it's a miracle that anybody hears anybody. And I'm trying to help you stand out to cut through that clutter, to speak with a voice that really makes sense to people in one of the challenges that people have when they communicate. It's not just knowing how to start and how to structure their, what they're going to say. It's knowing how and when to end. I mean, in my background, prior to starting the Brief Lab, my background was in brand marketing. So I would work with a lot of executives, big agency. I'd worked with a big agency at a big agency. I started my own marketing, boutique marketing agency, um, about eight, almost 18 years ago. And I had the privilege to work with some really famous brands where I was helping those executives find the right words and get everybody on the same page to explain things that's, that were objectively complicated, um, long, hard to explain, um, messaging that was requiring different translations to different audiences and one of the tools that we used early on was video to capture that. And obviously now everybody can make a video. So there was nothing special, but back in the day, um, marketing agencies didn't have internal video capabilities. And I, I was sort of ahead of, ahead of the curve in that regard. And I built, um, a visual storytelling, which is how we described it, but like this video production team to translate all this explanation that we put down in words into images and music and, and a lot of times when we do interviews with people so as the as the as it would go i would be asked to let's say sit down with a leadership team at a tech company or something and they would start talking to me about this new product that we're gonna release to the market and you'd listen to it and you're like nobody's gonna follow what you're saying i mean all over the place and they're talking about this feature and this function and this certification. And it just got more and more confusing. And they'd hire me because I was going to help them clean it up. And I, and, and I did that. I would spend a few hours with them and we would go through this mapping exercise and we would figure, okay, well, what is the story? And is it worth telling? And who we got to tell it to. And after finishing those exercises, naturally, we had to communicated that message to different audiences. And one way of doing that was to put it in a video. And our perspective was, well, sometimes you can do that 
you know, through animations and things like that. But sometimes you actually have to interview people. So you'd have to go talk to the, the head of sales or the director of engineering or maybe even a customer. So I had the opportunity of interviewing many people and getting them in front of the camera to explain in plain English, you know, what we had discussed in that conference, that, that meeting. But now I would put them in front of the camera and start asking them questions. Okay, okay tell me about this project or this product and who is it for and how does it help them? Well, the funny thing is when you would interview people on camera, they would say something, but they wouldn't know how to end. So you're, you're saying a sentence and then the sentence goes from like 20 seconds long to like, now it's 40 seconds long. Now it's a minute and a half long. And you're like, okay, at some point when you finish this take in the video, somebody on my team has got to edit that into and splice it down to a part that says, my product does blah, blah, blah for this community, period. And then, oh, that was a nice ending. And you would cut it right there. Well, the people don't, wouldn't know how to end. So they would just kind of trail off and there was no cut point. So it made it editing these interviews very difficult because they would start a sentence, but the ending was sort of trailing off and it wouldn't have a definitive like. And that's how I feel about it. Now, one of the ways to observe how people end is watch interviews. Just go on TV and I'm not, I don't watch a lot of like, you know, meet the press or these interviews or whatever, you know, interview shows, but you could pick one and just watch people how the interview, this is what you're going to see. Somebody will ask a question and then the other person will start talking and it will go on for some amount of time. And if they're really good, they'll know how to end. And then the person asking the question will pick it up and ask the next question. If they're not very good, the person won't, the ending won't be very clear. So the person who's asking questions won't know how to insert themselves. And then the person will talk and talk and talk. So the inability to know how and where to end becomes very, very difficult in this interview. Well, if you take that, that's just one scene. Now this is true for how everybody communicates. It's not just how you start, it's what and how you end. Okay. So in the last, last week's episode, I was talking about, you know, presenting is like breathing and you don't want your audience to take a deep breath and hold it until you're done. Well, if you don't know how to end, those people are holding their breath, which seems forever. And I told that story about that pastor in that church who, who would say amen at the end. That was his trigger word. Kind of like mine says, just saying at the end of this podcast, that's why I said that because you know, it's over and I know I'm getting to that point. And he would say, amen, everybody go amen. And they're like, oh, they could breathe out because he would go out forever. Okay. It's like the funny line that comedian said once us that the, the key to a good sermon is to have a good beginning, a good end, and keep those two parts as close together as possible. Well, the ending becomes very, very important. So a couple of things to think about and how to get better at ending is think of ending as little ends, little, little endings lead to big ones. And my analogy I've shared in the past in this podcast is communicating is more like tennis and less like golf. Golf is like, I keep on hitting the ball and advancing, advancing, advancing. It's just me advancing a bunch of points. In this case, communicating, I'm just pushing information out and it's just me advancing and I'm having a monologue. No, communication's like tennis. I hit the ball in a way that allows you to return it or we're volleying back, volleying back and forth. Okay. So when you say something, a person responds with something. Well, that ending is the indication that a person wants to talk. 
do you follow me? See, that was like a little ending. And you'd be like, no, I don't. Or yes, I do. Or what do you think about that? But you have to intentionally end and make it small. So in conversations, the way to do this is you stop talking, but you choose that I'm going to stop talking in a way that gives the person that you're talking to an indication like, he's done, she's done. I can say something now. Watch how people communicate and they don't even, they don't even think this way. They don't have, they don't have little endings. Well, if you're giving a presentation or you're in a conversation and you have no little endings, well, you're just building up velocity. Now you're just getting, you're getting up to speed here and it's hard to put the brakes on. So I think little endings can lead to a big ending. Um, another way of looking at this is in a saying, if I don't, they won't. I'll say that again. If I don't, they won't. If I don't end, they won't agree, respond, comment. So you have to, and if you don't, they won't, they can't. And you see this all the time when people become conversation hijackers, they take over conversations where they do all the talking. I've seen this in meetings all the time. There's one person saying everything for everybody. Okay. Well, that person's got to stop and know how to end in, in, and that would be a natural invitation. One way of ending is just, you know, Hey, Michelle, what do you think about that? Or Pat, let's talk about this other thing. And your ending is an invitation to get people talking. So if I don't end, they won't, if I don't, I won't. That's more, that's a little a saying that you might be able to use. Um, another way of looking at this bigger picture is if I don't know the end, how will I know I, that I passed it? And a lot of people communicate where they're like, when I get to the end, I'll know, but they just, but they don't even know what that end is. So in the work that we do at the brief lab, you map it out using a brief map, that ending, because it stands for background, relevance, information, ending, follow-up. Well, in a comedy scenario, that ending is the punchline and the follow-up is laughter and you're ending, it's I end and then the follow-up, there's some follow-on or follow-up response. Person asks a question, they agree, um, but you're done and they start. Okay, but if you don't know where that end is, you will know that you passed it. And that's the key. So endings become very, very difficult. One of the things we say in our classes, I've used this as a metaphor, is like gymnastics. It's like stick the landing. What's the landing? And when you did these interviews, it's like round it down with a period or an exclamation mark. And that's what I felt about it this day. And then you end. You don't say another thing. And you resist the temptation to say another thing, another thing, and another thing. You end. You think about endings. And you make them, and you get better at them. But here's how you know you're getting better. It's like tennis. Listen to the response. You, you're trying to volley. And obviously, you're not trying to like slam the ball and have them not return. You're trying to create a volley with it back and forth. Notice, am I giving them a really clean and clear way and notice the response? If it's a question or a comment or an observation or um, their perspective, are they stepping back right away into it? Do they know that it's now their time? And there's different techniques of doing this, and I'm not going to talk about the techniques of how to end, but I want you to start to think about it's not just how you start. 
it's how you end. And it could be a little one interspersed in conversations, little mini ones leads to big ones. If you're giving a presentation, you really should know, like, where is your ending and how, how do I, what is that landing? What is that last thing that I say? And I joke, I, cause I teach a lot of classes in the military and they have this ending, which is, I think it's, I think it's cheesy. I mean, they think it's sort of protocol and proper, but, but I've, I've had, a, I get a laugh out of people. I, you know, pending any questions, sir, pending any questions, ma'am. And that's the ending. I'm like, that's the, that's like saying, ta-da. Like, I don't think that's the best ending. Well, you got to think of a better ending. Okay. That ends my briefing. I would like to give you two or three minutes to write down any comments or concerns that you might have about this plan. Well, that would be a better ending. Or that ends my briefing. I'd like to take a few minutes to hear what you think about what I've discussed and maybe, maybe you can summarize it for me or whatever the ending might be, but you think about it before you, you start talking you in the same way that you start the conversation. It's really great to be here today. I appreciate your time and attention. What I'm here to talk about today is blank. You also think about the last thing I say that indicates to the group, to the room that I'm done with my bit and I'm gauging the quality and the, of the, of in the immediacy of their response on the quote on the, how good that ending was some things to think about, honestly. Um, and just for me, when I do the podcast, that's what I prepare for. It's like, okay, well, how do I start it? I mean, you've listened to this podcast, you've been here before, got a little bit of music that comes in. Um, and that, by the way, if you've never, never told us or shared that intro music, I don't think I've ever shared this in the podcast is from a group called Keen, K-E-A-N-E. And the song is called Silenced by the Night. Keen is one of my favorite bands. It's a, it's a band out of England. Um, so that's how I start the podcast. But if you listen to this a few times, you know that I came up with a way of ending it so that you all know it's over. And I don't go, the end. So it's about that time in every podcast when I say that phrase, that only phrase that indicates that I'm at the end. Just saying.